0: Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Shannon. Shannon.
1: Hi, I'm Erin, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Erin. Hi everyone and welcome to book quarters anonymous episode 25 t- 25 woohoo um, hopefully it won't be too much of a bullshit fest we <laughs> we have some news articles that seem very much in that frame this month but <laughs> um, some of them were just so much fun i couldn't resist including them in there um, and um we also have a very funny and humorous book which is going to be our next selection but even before we get to that um, get to all those things um, why don't we switch it around I'll talk about what I've been reading okay just so that you know we've, we've been starting with you don't want anybody
0: get to get bored
1: yeah we don't want we don't <laughs> want boredom on this podcast that's the last thing we want oh um, and so I will talk about my books for the month I read the first three books in the imager series by L E Modisit because L E Modisit jr. Um, the first three relate to one single character. And then there are like five others in the series that are prequels they, apparently they occur like 500 years before. I'm just not really interested in that, but I did read the ones that were about this particular character. Um, the first one is called imager, uh, in case anyone wants to start it. And it's basically about this person's ability to do magic and create things with magic. um, and how he finds that ability within himself and and the ways in which he moves up in the world because of it. I really enjoyed the books. Um, I thought that... If he's such a great magician, you know, he has to defend himself against attacks and everything. And I thought that he was using the same defensive measures all the time. You would think being such a great magician, he would find new ones rather than, you know, putting lie in someone's eyes or, um, you know, magically manufacturing lie or magically manufacturing oil under their feet. But it was still a fun series, Um, at least the first three books. And I enjoyed them quite a lot. Um, L.E. Modicet writes... A lot of really good fantasy and there's some decent world building in most of the books that he writes um, I have read a couple of books that were too weird for me uh, but some that you know some that are really good and he's been very prolific so um, that was they were fun to read and he has a lot of books um, that he's written uh, let's see what else did I read I read or I'm in the process of reading um a nonfiction book that I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Um, it's by Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. Uh, and it's about um, getting, getting over obstacles, whether you have a disability or um, basically, you know, you're poor, how, how, you, how people have overcome these various obstacles in their lives, whatever they are. Um, and what may seem an obstacle to one person is not always an obstacle to another. I'm not sure how I feel about this book, basically because this is the first book by this author I've read. Uh, it He came highly recommended from someone. Um, but the book itself, they're like little vignettes. And, and at one point, I mean, you know, it, it's jumpy. You know, at one point you're reading about uh, Mr. Uh, I don't know, Mr. F. And now he became a doctor. Uh, and for him, one of his obstacles was overcoming his very traumatic childhood. And then next, next you're reading about london getting bombed during world war ii huh. i mean does this relate and he kind of relates it together about how people overcome trauma i think is 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 what that was you know it, it, those two things were in but it's kind of like i don't really understand how these all fit together <laughs> um and so it's I, I find the little tiny vignettes and then the little jumpy passages it, it's just kind of goes all over the place for me um and seemed a little unorganized it it had structure but you had to really i mean you know you had to wait for the structure to occur to you it wasn't i mean you know for the author to explain why all of a sudden he's talking about these two things that might not seem like they fit together um and i was getting a little impatient with it because i just i just found it jumped all over the place um have you ever read any of malcolm gladwell
0: um i have i've read um a couple of his i read uh, the tipping point, and then l- this past year, I read "It's Gone." Mm-hmm. It's gone. What is the name of that book? It's going to bug me. Um, well, oh, anyway, it's another book of M- Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell's. Or um, he was talking about, um, I, like, the only thing I remember is that that there was this passage about how, like, lots of great artists had spent 10,000 hours practicing mm-hmm. um, and, and it's going to come to me as soon as we stop recording this podcast. Of or course. Like in the middle of our book discussion, I'll be like, it's that book. and <laughs> yeah, Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and, and you're right. It like his, I, I like his, his, his books, but they, they don't really stick with me. Mm-hmm. There there's, he's, it's like, he's found all these interesting facts and then it sort of jumbles them together in, in a mm-hmm. way that's, interesting while I'm reading it but as soon as it's gone I was like yeah
1: I picked that book up after a couple of weeks of not reading it and I was like what are we reading about again it was like it didn't stick with me but it was sad because I wanted it to because I thought this is really interesting at the time I was reading it but it was just so jumpy so I'm glad to know that I mean maybe it's his writing style and I just I'm just it doesn't it doesn't speak to me Uh, but some people really like his his style um I just I just find I don't um, let's see. I read the fourth book in the Outlander Saga by Diana Gabaldon called Drums of Autumn. Uh, I can go for about four or five years without reading any books in Outlander uh, and then read one and then not read another one for a while. They are basically they're really overlong. I just I find this as a mm-hmm. criticism of the whole series. It could be condensed into a quarter of its size and the books each are, you know, could be condensed down to like a quarter of what they are. And in Drums of Autumn... Especially, it was like, aren't these people going to get married? It's like this whole the the first day of the book is about I don't know a fifth of the book, and the book's almost a thousand pages long. So the first day lasts like a hundred pages, two hundred pages almost. Oh, I was please. reading it in audio, so it may be a little off in terms of page numbers. But I mean, it was totally total insanity. It was huge, um, and it was just like I read,
0: no, I've read yeah. not I read novels that were longer than. Right, we're shorter than this day. Right,
1: no, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the next book, the the fiery cross, which I actually did start. Um, that's when the people get married, and the first day lasts like 200 pages. Um, but even in um drums of autumn, it it's like it just just plods along. Um, and, and I did start the fifth book I've gotten about halfway through and I'll probably abandon it and then start it again in two years or three years and have to start from the beginning again, which I did with Drums of Autumn because it's just kind of like, huh, what? (laughs) Um, and you know, I, I like them while I'm reading them, but I just, I don't have, don't have that much time to devote to them. Um. And I'm not really interested enough to check out the TV series. I mean, it's kind of like some people have purchased the Stars Network just for that series. I'm like, (laughs) wow, that's a little bit over the top, in my own humble opinion. (laughs) Just a bit. Just a bit. Um, And and this is not a, you know, for me. I mean, if if I'm the people that I'm thinking of, maybe it's like totally up their alley and things. But I just, I'm just not a TV person. So I'm not really interested enough. Um, Let's see. I also read, I had them listed here, um, oh yeah, I read um, one of Philippa Gregory's books, and those are always awesome, uh, her third book in the Cousin's War trilogy called The White Princess, and as I'm reading the book, I realized I kind of skipped the second one. Uh, I kind of skipped it without meaning to, um, but when I was looking for these books, and they were available on board, I they're not really numbered in order, so I didn't really pay attention. And this book had been on my iPhone for a long time and I'm trying to get rid of the books on my iPhone so I'm either reading them hopefully reading most of them or abandoning them if they're not good. Like uh, Seanan McGuire book I started I was very disappointed in. Um, the Encrypted series. Um, I liked her October Day book so much that I figured I'd enjoy these two and I'm really not, unfortunately. But but um, back to the uh, Philippa Gregory book, The White Princess. It's about... Um, Elizabeth, it's about the Lancaster and York, you know, war in England, uh, and the Lancasters have come to power in, ter- in the form of the Tudor dynasty, and just uh, the princess of York, Elizabeth Woodville, marries Henry VII, and it's basically her struggle with loyalty. You know, who is she loyal to? she loyal to her husband, the king, or is she loyal to her family? Um, and there's always been a debate about what happened to the princes in the Tower of London when they were imprisoned, the York princes, Edward and Richard. Uh, and in this book, one of uh, there's one person who claims to be uh, Richard of York, and he claims to be the true king of England. So is she loyal to her brother, who's wandering around and may or may not be her brother? Or is she loyal to her husband? And it's just a, from her point of view and the way she resolves that issue for herself. Um, I love Philippa Gregory's books. I started with the other Boleyn girl about Anne, uh, Mary Boleyn um, and her sister Anne and their affairs with Henry VIII, and that was just fantastic. And I've been reading a lot of her books over the past couple of years, uh, and this was, this was equally wonderful. I'll have to go back and read the second one now that I skipped. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you don't really need it in order to enjoy these books. I mean, they kind of talk about what happened before in such a way that you don't feel like you're missing things. Um, I felt like when I started... Um, one of the criticisms of the Sharon Penman books I, ha- I have, which talk about William the Conqueror's family and their conquest-, conquest of England, When Christ and His Saints Slept, I think is the first one that I haven't read. Um, I read the second one, but I can't remember the name of it. Oh, crap. That's going to bug me now. I'm going to have to look for it. <coughs> but anyway, when I was reading it, it was excellent and long and very involved and intricate. But I felt like I was missing stuff because I hadn't read the first book, and it wasn't available on BART at the time. Uh, so I just plunged ahead and read... Shoot, what is that called? Oh well, never mind. <laughs> it happened um, to both of us. <laughs> it happened to both of us. Exactly. Um, but um they're very good. And her her medieval mysteries are fun and they're like a lot shorter. Um and they're good too. But um the historical novels that Sharon Penman has written are just phenomenal. Uh but but I felt like I was missing things. Anyway. Um and lastly, I'll just babble on here for one more one more book. Um, the um, the encrypted novels by Sean Ann McGuire um, I was I started to read the first one which is called Midnight Blue Light Special um, and it's basically about a girl who is in charge of protecting all of the magical or encrypted creatures in New York City uh, when you think of encrypted you think of like computers but this is magic she's in charge of protecting all these magical beings from being exterminated Ooh, and it's like cute and sort of I guess, supposed to be funny. I I don't know. I just can't get into it. And I found it sad because I really enjoyed her October Day series about a woman who discovers she's like half fairy um, and how she deals with it and how she solves problems in her world. But this one I just couldn't get into. And I felt kind of sad. I think I only got like a third of the way through it and and had to stop because it just wasn't doing it for me. And it wasn't the narrator. It was just the plot just didn't hold my interest. It had cool cool creatures in it of all kinds from all different types of folklore, and that was really interesting. But the book itself, eh, hmm, I'm not into it. I know other people who really like the series, though, uh, so maybe at some point I'll give it another chance. But I just wasn't thrilled with it. Okay, your turn, finally.
0: Okay, so <laughs> I remember the name of the Malcolm Gladwell book I read. Um, it was called Outliers. Okay, um, uh, anyway, <laughs> I thought I, I, thought I'd say that now while we're still recording the podcast and since <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to bug me if I do. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, well this month I've, I've been kind of, um, I don't know, like it's, I've been, I've, I've had, I had a bit of a struggle for a while with, with like finding my reading mojo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been, I'd been reading a few things that were just sort of okay and, and so I needed to find like hit that sweet spot of like finding a book that, that was really going to work for me. Um, I read, um, and I, I found a few that I did like. So um, one of the most interesting books I read this month was one through Bookshare. And it's called, um, it, it's a romance novel. And mm-hmm. It's called No Proper Lady. And the author is Isabel Cooper. And it was it was marketed as the Terminator meets My Fair Lady. Oh Lord! Um, so it's a time travel story, and it's but it's not really like it is basically the Terminator, and that, that the 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 heroine travels back in time because she's got to to kill this evil magician who is friends with the hero before he goes and like breaks the world, and and like she's from the future where he <laughs> of the world that he broke. Whoops. And it was bad. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was really interesting because it was like it was not um it, it was a lot darker than I thought it would be for like a lot darker than most romances. There was a lot of um the, there were there were quite a few violent graphic violent scenes. Um but the but the, the characterization was wonderful and um it was something that i hadn't really read like usually you know time travel romances um like they they do the fish out of water thing but it's all sort of a little bit about like like a thing that that kind of puts me off is how much time is spent on like oh here's the you know the her- the 20th century heroine in like 18th century england and haha isn't she funny that she doesn't know what she's doing and yeah. I find that a little hard to to read sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this wasn't like that at all, and and the romance was very sweet, but kind of understated. Um, and I was and and like it was one of those things where it was definitely sort of a meeting of the minds, and um. So I, I like those. That's good. Um, and and I just I really feel like the marketing department at at Sourcebooks. Which is the publisher didn't really do this book any favors because I can think of so many people that would really enjoy it and mm-hmm. and I feel like it's just like the blurbs for her whole entire series are just so tame mm-hmm. and they and they don't really ex- they don't really indicate like what's actually there in, in the book and they don't really ex- uh, reflect the writer's style at all so that makes me a little sad Aww. um and then I read. I don't know if I was reading these last month. I should really pay attention to what I actually say. <laughs> um, I was reading these these uh, for a while there, these um, sci-fi romances that by a lady named Lolita Lopez. Uh, that they, author's
1: not ringing a bell, so I don't think okay, so. Okay, so I
0: didn't talk about them. Good. Um, they, they are like this month, like the books I've enjoyed have all been totally like mind candy crack. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: what was the name of this book? I'm sorry. This, so the, the
0: this, there are three books out so far and yeah. they have like really dumb titles. Um, <laughs> the first one is called grabbed by vicious.
1: My gosh.
0: Caught by menace and saved by venom. So <laughs> totally dumb titles. And it's like. And it's like the story is not particularly new. It's like the, these aliens um, or these like virile space warrior dudes are are like they they've made this arrangement with the the human government on this planet that that every so often um, they can, you know, come take human women in this little ceremony that they have. And so that's kind of what happens in each of these three books. <laughs> um and and so you like it's kind of it it sort of sets it up to be sort of a like space barbarian tames like the the human woman to his will sort of thing um but then but then, like what she does is that she totally turns it around, and it turns out that the heroines are definitely capable of taking care of themselves, and like what draws the like at least in the first book, like what draws the hero to the the woman he eventually snatches is that she's like obviously a good strategist. Mm-hmm. And you know, like he he appreciates that she's smart, mm-hmm. and um, like I'm not saying they're great literature, but um, and and it's like you know, like the the guys have the sort of J.R. Ward kind of names, like vicious, menace, and venom really are their names.
1: Well, vicious is one of the characters in the Black right? Dagger Brotherhood. That's immediately except what I thought of. Except That's
0: that funny. Vicious spells his name correctly.
1: Oh well, then yeah.
0: <laughs> um. But it's it's really it like but the heroines totally call them out I'm like what kind of a name is vicious? Really? Like <laughs> what's your real dude? name? I mean kind of and then like and she sort of like half asses it away, like it's all part of their culture. They all kind of have have <laughs> dumbass names like that when they get into like warrior training. It's like but, a rite of passage or something. Right, yeah, pretty much. Um and then there's like and then she kind of like as the series goes on she's done more with the world building and now there's like war on this planet and it's really fascinating and like they're so cheesy <laughs> and silly but i i enjoy them and those are available on on Kindle um and then let's see right now i'm reading oh and then my my oh a couple more i want to want to talk about i did read the latest uh JK Rowling as Robert Galbraith uh, Cormoran Strike book. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I was going to talk about it because you were talking you were talking about over the o- how overly long the Outlander books were and um that was what I really noticed about the second book. It's called The Silkworm. And um I don't remember the first book being being overly long, but this one really seemed like it was. Mm-hmm. Um there was a, and I think like a lot of it is that um, there are certain subplots that that are clearly going to be weaving in and out of these stories that that I, that that obviously interest J.K. Rowling and other people more than they interest me. Um, like like Cormoran strikes a love life. I really think J.K. Rowling is not a good romance writer, and she shouldn't try. Right, I agree. <laughs> And and I kind of feel like the thing she's got going on with with uh, Strike and Robin, his assistant, is mm-hmm. um, like in the first book, I was sort of charmed. I was really charmed by it. I like I thought like, hey, this will be really exciting and go places. And then the second book, it had like kind of a I don't know. like the best way I can put it is like it's a bit of a Ross and Rachel vibe. Like <laughs> this, like she's clearly gonna gonna drag this out for some more books for whatever dumb stupid reason. Just so that you know, <laughs> just to like keep people, you know, like will they or won't they, and and you know, it's it's it, it bothers me because it seems like 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 at the at the moment Robin is engaged to this man that is totally wrong for her and everybody sees it but her and I know mm-hmm. that that's true to real life but it's like like this is the one area that this character is so incompetent in <laughs> and yet she said she's so stupid about her fiance. Um so and and there was a lot of like sort of really uncomfortable stuff in this book that that was like, um, I don't know, like I, maybe I'm oversensitive because I've read too many feminist things over the years, but it, but there was a lot of like really terrible treatment of women in this book. <laughs> like just about every woman had a moment of being absolutely terrible, <laughs> and I, and I didn't like that um. And then, let's see, I read, uh, yes, this morning, I, I, like, and last night, I kind of powered through the latest book by Ava March, who's one of my favorite um, male-male romance authors, and she had a a historical romance that came out in June that I didn't know was out, Um, and it was, you know, about the, like, it's the second in a series, and it involves characters that were introduced in the first book, and it was, like, you know... A friends to lovers type of storyline, and and um, you know, it was it was really very cute. And and what sweet. was it called again? It's called uh, the series is called Gambling on Love, and this book was called Sharp Love because um, mm-hmm. he's a card sharp, <laughs> um, or at least one of the heroes is. Um, and then, lastly, what I'm reading now and really am enjoying is the first book in Jacqueline Lichtenberg's um, Simone Gen series. I think it's the first book in publication order, but I think it's maybe book number three in the series. Um, it's called House of Zayor, And the Sim Gen books are um, not like they see they they totally seem like they they should be more romancy than they are. But they're, like it, the, the premise is that humans have been um, sort of mutated into two distinct species. There's the gen who are like normal people, and then the sime who are basically psychic vampires <laughs> um, that have to uh, take, take this source of energy that, that the gens produce in order to stay alive. And the whole thing is that um, they like if they're not careful, uh, the syme like when they do this could kill the gen so um like naturally this this has led to all kinds of people not getting along with each other um and and like you know some of the have figured out a way to, to get around this and and like that's kind of where we are in the third book and and um it's very it's interesting it's the the um Main character is, is a Jen who is looking for the woman that he loves, but, but the, the best relationship by far is between him and um the Syme guy that takes him in and is teaching him to be like somebody that, that gives away this life sustenance to the Syme without dying. And the two of them have like there there's some definite romantic chemistry, but the but the author is very is like doubles down on it really hard in the books like no this is not sexual at all see look they're both married to women look (laughs) look see the women um which I think is kind of funny but but they're I um a friend was telling me about this series and and um they're not all available on Bard but this first one is and I'm reading it that way and and I think I'm gonna like it's it's has a lot of things I like so I'm excited to keep going
1: oh cool Speaking of gay sex, that takes <laughs> us right into our news stories for the week, or the month, All or right. whatever it is. So, let's just go with that. Um, George R.R. R. Martin went to a festival in Edinburgh, Scotland last week, or the week before, and specifically talked to fans about why there was no gay sex in Game of Thrones.
0: Because, you see... <laughs> he he would write it in if it becomes necessary to the plot.
1: Yes. Apparently, as the series has gone on on TV, there have been instances of, well, I don't know, because uh, I haven't watched it, but like innuendos that certain same-sex couples have been forming or having liaisons. And so fans were wondering, well, why isn't this in the in the books? And uh, George R.R. R. Martin has simply said, it it is not necessary to the plot at the time, but if it were necessary, I would put it in.
0: And I, this is the story that, that I have to say kind of made my bullshit s- senses tingle a little bit. Because, like, I can re- can distinctly remember in the first four books of A Song of Ice and Fire, there was at least one scene. I think it was between Danny a- Danneris and one of her handmaidens, mm-hmm. where, like, the handmaiden just basically was like, Hey, you feeling lonely tonight, okay, yeah, you know he made that into
1: the handmaid teaching her about sex and and what to do to a partner. he well, made I thought it
0: this happened later. I thought it was like like after like after um she stopped having a partner and she was lonely, or maybe I'm not remembering no, that I at don't all. remember, but anyway, yeah, I. But I do feel like there have been plenty of other scenes of asexual nature that have been. Oh, and I guess there was like the, in the fourth book, there like Cersei has a has a thing with like one of her ladies in waiting that that is like described in sort of lurid detail, and and I would I would argue that that is not necessary to the plot either. Mm-hmm. But and and I feel like you know whatever, like if you don't want to write gay sex, don't write gay sex. It's okay. But don't not, Yeah. But don't sit there and be all like, you know, oh well, I would put it in there if it was necessary to the plot because no, you wouldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you know, if you don't want to write it, I, I'm not I don't really care. And and more to I I was kind of on I don't know, I sort of took George R. R. Martin's side a little bit. I read that as him being irritated with the fan for even asking the question. Like, why can't you just take my book at face books at face value, read them? enjoy them and not want things that I don't want to put in them. Yeah. For whatever reason. And so...
0: I I can see that too. I just just took
1: it that way. Yeah, I I understand. I mean, I kind of wish he'd been more forthright and maybe said... I don't really want to put that in there and it's, it's not going to be in there. I I wish you would enjoy my books anyway. I think he was trying to be diplomatic and it came out full of, you know, full of BS. Um, Write some fanfic. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you want gay sex that that badly, write (laughs) (laughs) in your books, um, write the fanfic and, and, you know, keep, do that. Um, But just. I don't know. I I just, whenever I read an author's book, I just take it at face value. I mean, this is what they wanted to write. I'm not going to, I don't want to force them to write something they don't want to write. He has his reasons for not putting it in. It's not like I would like the books any better or less if that were one of the elements in it. Because really, when it comes down to most books, unless they're really romance-based, sex is not really a major... No. it's 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 not really a major portion of what's going on in the book. I mean, other than... You know Tyrion asking where do whores go twenty two or twenty three times <laughs> in that fifth book. I bookmarked all yeah. those all those times. Uh, you know, it, it, and really he was like channeling his father. He wasn't really wasn't really being sexual, but it was like him channeling what his father and him used to talk about. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, but but anyway, in, in, unless sex is really necessary, I don't see why people are overly concerned about that. Um, speaking of sex. <laughs> A school board in I forget what state it's in I don't remember Oregon or somewhere is is working to ban a high school sex ed book because the book has scenes uh, of a very descriptive nature in it and discusses it's a it's a nonfiction uh, sex education book and discusses bondage.
0: Who okay that's not and anything like any of the same high school sex, sex ed.
1: couples and erogenous zones on the body that that are not you know, you know, like the ears and neck and, you know, things that you wouldn't consider. Uh, And many parents found this to be offensive for their 13 and 14 year olds and felt that it would take them into weird and terrible places. Uh, So they are working to get the book banned from that school system. And the school system has even taken it one step further and is talking to the publishers about deleting some of the scenes from the next edition of the book. At least they say that's what they're doing. I just,
0: I don't know. I I took sex ed classes in high school because I figured they would be easy A's. Yeah, and they were. Um, and I don't remember anything like that in my sex ed textbooks. In fact, I remember being very disappointed with that sex ed class because I was hoping it was going to teach me all about how to like. Like, do all kinds of fun activities. <laughs> Apparently, this book goes into that, Hello. and parents were very upset. Um,
1: yeah, my sex ed class has never considered those kinds of things either. It just basically discussed uh,
0: how babies clinical. were
1: made, and it was yeah. very clinical. Um, and uh, so, they're, they're up in arms about that. Um, speaking of people up in arms... Um, The George Orwell estate is up in arms because Amazon, in its ongoing dispute with publishers, has misquoted some of George Orwell's commentary from the 1930s. Uh, In the 1930s, the paperback was coming into fame, and George Orwell apparently made some kind of a statement that said, uh, and it was about Penguin Books in particular, that... um, all publishers should start emulating uh, Penguin books uh, because the paperback is a totally wonderful thing. But if they did start emulating Penguin books, then books would become less useful Uh, and and the paperback would would eventually uh, go away and leave circulation, I believe is what he was saying. Uh, Amazon has taken the second half of the quote uh, and turned it into George Orwell saying that paper books paperback books uh, are on their way out of existence um, and basically twisted the meaning of what he said I believe is what the essence of the article stated uh, and folks from the George Orwell estate were kind of up in arms about that as well as other authors who have signed a petition to, for, to try and force Amazon and Hachette to stop fighting um, apparently it just made them fight more yeah. This also triggered my my BS meter when I was reading this whole Amazon Hachette dispute. It was kind of like, really people, why it's are you just, Yeah. Why are you doing this? Amazon, you're trying to be this big this big monopoly giant and delaying the Hachette sales is basically uh, putting strain on authors and and the average consumer, and is it really necessary? Exactly. So you know, just I I included these stories just to uh, let everyone know that the ongoing dispute between Amazon and Hachette is still ongoing.
0: Yeah, um, likely will be for years to come.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, and um, one last uh, story about Hachette. They have they were trying to buy the Perseus Publishing uh, conglomerate which I guess is an independent publisher primarily of nonfiction. Um, Hachette publishes mostly fiction, and they wanted to increase their uh, footprint in the book industry. So they decided to purchase Perseus, but apparently negotiations on that fell through. Gee, surprise, surprise. Um, Seems like all these people are just no different from all the others. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that has fallen through, and Perseus is still, I guess, trying to make it on its own. Um, and this seems like, it seemed like it would have been a really good move for Hachette in terms of widening its own, the scope of the books that it publishes. Um, but, oh well, woe to them. Maybe they'll purchase, purchase it in the future. They'll have more negotiations. I don't know. But, um, they seem to be having their own troubles with, uh, publishers other than Amazon. Um... And last but not least, David Letterman is the finalist for the Thurber Award uh, with his book, his picture book, satirical picture book, This Land Was Made for You and Me, but Mostly Me. <laughs> sounds like a typical David Letterman title. Um, and the Thurber Award is given each September uh, for the, it's it's a book award for humor in literature. And so, um, I don't know, hopefully it will win. I just love the title of the book. I want to read it at some point.
0: That's that's a great title for a book. <laughs> I I approve.
1: Yeah, I totally approve, too. Um, are there any new stories that you wanted to put into the book? Um,
0: I think that covers it. I
1: will mention one final podcast. It's not really a news item, but this is a podcast that I didn't really know about. And it, I stumbled on it. I think I had heard about it forgot about it, and then stumbled on it again uh, just after we recorded the last episode of Book Hoarders. It's called Book Riot, um, bookriot.com, and they have a podcast and a blog, and it comes out every week, the podcast does. Um, and they discuss books that they've been reading and recent book news that they found. Uh, and it's basically sort of similar to a Book Orders, in, but they don't have a book that they read every week for the podcast. Um, but it's, which is probably good. Which is probably good. They are starting this new book club thing that is like, we'll send you a hardback book if you pay a subscription of $30 a month. Then you can read the book and participate in our discussion. And I'm kind of like, uh, no, thank you. But no. yeah. Uh, but apparently they're on their second book in this book club thing now. I forget what it's called. Uh, but if you're interested, you can go to book and find out all about their doings. Um, book and I, a pretty cool website. Yeah, it's Hi. a great website. Um, they have great, uh, news items and they keep track of basically what's new and cool in books. And I love the site and the podcast is really good too. The weekly podcast that comes out. Um, and they're definitely uh, not boring. Hopefully people don't say that about us. <laughs> I hope not. So, uh, check them out. Uh, at least I encourage you to do that. So, yes. on, finally, to what everyone has been waiting for, our book pick for our this book. month, or rather it was Shannon's pick, and I'm glad she picked it, This House of Sky by Ivan Doig. And since you picked it, why don't you start?
0: Okay. You know, um, the reason I picked this book was because um, our my, the library where I work is doing it as a quarterly book club selection in September, and I wanted to be um efficient or lazy, whichever <laughs> you want to put it put. Uh so I thought it'd be a good, like, sort of patriotic Americana type of thing. And it was. I really liked it. Um the story is about Ivan Doig um his childhood growing up in, in rural Montana. Um his dad was a sheep rancher and it's kind of about the life that they that they sort of picked out for themselves. After um, Ivan's mother died when when he was six years old. And it was just really, I liked it a lot. So what did you think of it?
1: Um, I really enjoyed it. I I read part of it. And it was not like one of those books that that I just couldn't put down. You know, you have to know what happens next. Mm -hmm. But I read part of it. And then I came back to it and enjoyed it equally as much after I had put it down for a while. Um, yeah, I did not think I was going to like it because I thought, eh, written in the seventies, it's a memoir. I'm not really into memoir, but I really, I really enjoyed it. And he brings a lot. I mean, the main characters really um, to vivid life. You know, not only himself, but but his father and grandmother who come to gr- grandmother comes to live with him after a while, um, and they are just so much in the forefront in this book, and he paints them so wonderfully. Um, along with the descriptions of the natural scenery, which are just fantastic, um, I really yes. felt like I was in Montana. I mean, you know, reading the book, even if I was at work at, at lunch, you know, reading it during my lunch hour, um, I felt like I was, I was, you know, part of me was in the Montana valleys that he was talking about, um, and I was really, uh, I really loved it. Uh, even when he went off to call you know, off to college and got married. Um, you could tell that a lot of him was still in Montana. I mean, you know, a lot of the book centered around, it, towards the end, you know, his father's failing health and how he would have to come back and help out. And I felt like he he portrayed his father's decline and death with so much, so much, I mean, you know, still kept, kept it with so much dignity and sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and also, the narration was good. I, I read, I used the Bard version. Uh, And the narrator, um, Robert Donnelly, was a little bit older than I think Ivan Doig was when he wrote the book, but he had a really good sort of like Western kind of voice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think I I would have been equally happy if it had been like Bob Askey who had done it. I think he would have done Mm -hmm. a good job with it, too, because he has that same kind of voice. But um, it was it was a very, um, very good book and very uh, portrayal of the characters and and scenery was just I mean, it made you feel like you were there. And I just really enjoyed that.
0: I really liked that it was a memoir about, like, I don't really like memoirs either. um, Because a lot of the ones I've read have tended to be, like, along the lines of, you know, well, this is a story about my mom. And, you know, she liked (laughs) to lock me in the closet. Exactly. And I built, like, you know, the Jeanette Walls, the glass castle is the one that comes to mind where, like, you know, I just don't, I don't understand. Like, I never really understood understood like where where the family love came from because they just think that their parents were so messed up but in this book I really did like that he clearly loved like he he was writing from a place of absolute like deep love for all these people his his dad particularly and his grandmother and then also like you know like his his high school English teacher mm-hmm. um, who was quite a character no, himself,
1: especially for Montana yeah <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed that, and I, I think he he brings out the love. You're right that he has for for all of these people. Um, I, I kind of wish that his wife had been in it more. She was kind of yeah. like a Meh, character. It was she was sort of there, but not really. It wasn't. It was like she wasn't really part of his life. Um, and I kind of wish he had brought her into it more. But I do recognize that this is this was primarily a memoir about his you know, his father and grandmother and and their impact on his childhood. Uh, And I think that's what he wanted us to to focus on more so than his grown-up personhood um, in his adulthood, I guess I should say. And so, you know, it it was nice, but I felt like I really wanted to know her better. Uh, Yeah. And and I didn't get that. Um, I do think that I'm going to read another one of his books uh, soon, called The Whistling Season. Um, it has some sort of like, it's, it's about a school system and a superintendent in 1950s Montana, and his integration into that, into the system and education. And I, I, I'm i interested in books about education. And, and ad, actually, education law is one of the things that I want to get more involved in at work. So I'm thinking I'm, I'll read it just for, you know, historical purposes, of course. But um, I also think that I just really enjoy his, his literary style, and he has some, some fabulous like metaphors and, and similes in the book that um, that were great. I don't remember them right off the top of my head, but I remember thinking, "Wow, that is really an interesting comparison, um, yeah. interesting use of the English language." Um, and so I, I want to you know want to try that out at some point.
0: So yeah, I would definitely read more of more of his books myself. I think he's a great writer. I loved his turn of phrase, and um, I'm curious about his fiction. Yeah, I am too.
1: I hope that it's as vibrant as his nonfiction, um, and the characters are equally as well developed. Sometimes with authors who you know start out with memoirs, their fiction is a little hmm, their characters yeah. just aren't as as alive. Um, and so I hope that his characters are really well developed. I, that inspires me. I think that's the next book I'm going to pick up after my Jack London short story collection Whew. <laughs> um, that I'm currently reading now, or maybe I'll read them sort of in tandem uh, well, there you go. with short stories. You can just read a story and then stop. Um, but I, I love Jack London. And recently on BARD there was a new short story collection. They say it's definitive, but you know, it leaves stuff out of course, like 48 of his short stories. Um, and so I've, currently started reading that one criticism i have of jack london of course is that not all of his not a lot of his stuff has happy endings (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh you know a couple of stories at a time that's about all i can take and then i have to put it aside and you know move on to something else um uh, So this might be a little more cheerful. Yeah, I I hope so. I I hope so. And I hope that the next book that we read for Book Orders Anonymous is more cheerful. Uh, It certainly sounded that way from the synopsis of it that I read. Um, It's called Being Invisible by Thomas Berger. And apparently it's about this guy who becomes invisible and then finds out to his detriment, I guess, that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, And it's supposed to be humorous and funny, funny. And a little, I guess a step up from Mind Candy is what I've heard. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, with 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 um, this sort of serious book we just read, I thought it would be good to put a little bit of humor into things. So hopefully it's as humorous as people say. Um, and it seems like I've heard of the book before and heard of the author before, but it's not an author that I'm familiar with. So, yeah,
0: me neither. I was thinking the same thing. So we'll have to see what we think.
1: Absolutely. One of those see-what-you-think kind of things. Um, And meanwhile, um, we'd love to know what you think about, well, anything we talk about. Um, And if you have book recommendations, please toss them our way and we will consider them. We have a few from our listeners, so that's fantastic. Um, In order to toss things our way, you can either tweet book hoarders on Twitter or you can email bhapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can put a comment on our blog at bha dot com.
0: And if you find talking to both of us intimidating, you can um, also tweet us individually. You can tweet Erin. That's that's her. Erin uh, Edgar at Erin Edgar. <laughs> um, and then you can tweet me. That's Shannon um, at Bard Song. I realized we didn't say our names. Or me. <laughs> yeah, I know we didn't. My bad. Um, it's like another episode of Tech Access Weekly, except for books. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, Rodney and I realized in, in episode 75, we never say our names. I mean, we did the first few episodes and then we stopped and it was kind of like, people don't know who we are, so let's tell everybody. So, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we, we we didn't say our names in this episode, so it's like Tech Access Weekly with books. Um, and um, we will be back next month with episode 26. Twenty six. Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, meanwhile, after this, we will simply say happy reading and bye. bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Call us at five two zero eight one books five two zero eight one two six six five seven, And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.